Coming up on the WAC Podcast, the season has come to an end, but not without some drama in Corvallis. We'll talk with Adam Young, play-by-play voice of New Mexico State, who was with the Aggies as they played the Beavers in a great game the other night. And we'll kind of put a bow on the season, if you will, coming up next on the WAC Podcast. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode is presented by Hercules Tires. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Kendra Sheehan. Welcome to the WAC Podcast, Eric Danner, along with Kendra Sheehan. Kendra, we had baseball finish up this week. Two teams go 0-2, but it really didn't feel like two teams went 0-2. Let's start with New Mexico State, the champions of the WAC Baseball Tournament, going to Corvallis, Oregon, to play the number three ranked team in the country. And guess what? They, they were they had them. They had them. But then the Beavers were able to pull it out in the end. But it was a fantastic game by New Mexico State. It certainly was. I mean, we'll talk with uh, Adam Young play-by-play. But he had mentioned, you know, that was the only game going on around the country at that point. It was such a, a late game because it went into extra innings. And New Mexico State battled the entire way. You look at what their pitcher, Ian Mejia, did. He pitched the most I think it was 124, I think, pitches that he had, which is the most in his season after having two appearances in the WAC tournament. uh, Struck out nine of number three Oregon State. And so, you know, I think it really – it was the Cinderella story that they made through the WAC tournament. And then, you know, maybe people were like, okay, yeah, they got through the WAC tournament. They've got to be out of gas. Or what are they going to do facing Oregon State and they were like hey we can play with anybody why why not why us? not us the mantra of yes. New Mexico State they actually went to extra innings with Oregon State and New Mexico State scored in the ninth to force the extra innings but the the other thing that's really going to stand out as a, as a memory from that game is Ian Mejia after pitching that gem getting a standing ovation from the crowd at Oregon State I mean you, you never see an opposing player get a reaction like that when they leave the field. Yeah, I mean that he had to be crying. No tears <laughs> of joy, just because I mean, what a moment for you as as a pitcher to have a performance like that, give your team a chance. I mean, he really it gave the Aggies a chance to let their bats get hot. I mean, Tommy Tabak obviously did very well again, but yeah, it really had to start from the mound, and they were going up against one of the top pitchers in the country, and Ian Mejia really held his own. And Alex Bustamante came in, also pitched very well as, well, when we talked to Adam Young, there was a few maybe uh, borderline calls, if you will, in that one, but uh, they fall 5-4, to four, and then as a uh, result of that, then they had to play Vanderbilt, team that's played in the NCAA championship the last two years, one of the greatest baseball cro- programs in the country, not the result they wanted there, but hats off to New Mexico State on an unlikely unbelievable postseason run yeah I don't think anybody can look at this season of course obviously the way that it ended but and not see 
like, holy cow, what a what a performance where they all came together at the right time. We were talking to head coach Mike Kirby before the WAC tournament, and he was telling us, you know, a lot his leadoff was not coming. They had injuries. He was like, you know, we're just here to have fun. We got nothing to lose, nothing to lose. <laughs> bus and broke down. Bus breaks down. I mean, none of these guys. No knife for the peanut butter. No knife. And, you know, I was talking to a couple of the people in the dugout, and they were saying, you know, I think that one of the biggest reasons they've, they've had success is Mike Kirby's out of just you know you got to roll with it you got to focus on what happens on the field so when the bus breaks down and where it may rattle other teams the guys are like heck yeah let's just have a party on the side of the road like while we wait you know I mean they're just like whatever it is what it is you can't control it so why why spend time worrying about it you can't and uh, the other side of it that uh, we had two teams in the NCAA baseball tournament first time in 10 years that's happened as as we learned in Whack in the Day. Yeah, check brought it to out you by you Geico, Twitter, Kendra Sheehan, <laughs> and whoever put that package together. Rockstar. Dug up an Aaron Judge wearing a Whack tournament with, shirt with the MVP. Well, the, uh, Jordan Luplo was the MVP. Oh, no, that's right. That's right. That's and right. then Aaron Judge had the uh, tournament champion shirt on for the Whack. How long did that Talk take about you to Brent. find? I mean, there's only like. <laughs> Two people in this building that could have found that picture, <laughs> but uh, me and you. No, that that was that was that was the thing is, uh, New Mexico State and Fresno State when they were a member of the WAC. That was the last time it happened. Aaron Judge, of course, now a big time All Star, one of the most recognizable sports figures in the country, Absolutely. was on the uh, WAC All Tournament team that year, along with Jordan Luplo, who as a freshman was the tournament MVP. Now he plays for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Getting back to Grand Canyon, <laughs> and it, it was kind of the opposite of, of what New Mexico State, where they had that, that great game in the first game. New Mexico State, that first game kind of struggled against Arkansas. Daniel Vitia, first inning looked great. Then the, the Hogs, as they say, the Razorbacks, got yeah. to him in that second inning. And I was thinking actually kind of positively there that he only pitched 1.2 innings that if they made a run, they could potentially bring him back Yeah, since he only true. pitched 1.2 innings. Unfortunately, that was not the case, and so they fall to Arkansas 7-1, to one, and then uh, they play Missouri State in, a, in an elimination game. I'm watching it, and I guess <laughs> I was the good luck charm because I'm like, okay, looks like they got this thing wrapped up. Yeah. Go out to cut the grass, and then I, I get a text from you like, what just happened? <laughs> Yeah, I mean the Bears had scored seven runs. Is it in the in the final two innings? Right. That's that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was seven. it was seven to one after seven innings. Yeah. In Canyon leading Missouri State. I mean, it just the <laughs> I don't even know what you just I. That's just the tough way, and, and you look at what Andy Stankowitz said afterwards, and what he told me at the tournament is, you know, when they when they lost uh, sooner than expected that first round or that first game that they lost, he was like, "That's baseball, you know. We have to we have to come out and play, and that's just that's what it is. You know, you're on, you're on both sides of it. You're on the highs when you win, you're on the lows, and and you just gotta you know come back and play. And that's that's kind of what he said. He said, you know, we had a we can't let this the sting here lose perspective on the nice season we had, which is true. I mean the number of power five opponents that they they beat during the season but definitely disappointing uh for for the lopes on a way to end it and just as we saw the great pitching performance by ian mejia of new mexico state nick hall 6.1 innings 10 strikeouts Whew, only gave figures. up two hits one earned run 
fantastic pitching performance by him. And unfortunately, uh, it, it did unravel those last few innings, and, and Grand Canyon was not able to pick up that uh, first victory in the NCAA tournament. Now they have back-to-back appearances. So uh, they still have a lot of youth on the team, a lot of guys coming back next year. So, so a lot to be excited about, but I'm sure very disappointing uh, to, to end the season in the in the fashion they did, losing eight to seven to Missouri State. Yeah, certainly, and I do believe Taylor Aguilar is coming back. He had you know 20 plus home runs this season, so and had two in that game, that, that game yeah, against Missouri State. That's true. So three in the two games because he hit one against Arkansas as well. He's a uh, somewhat local product as we. Uh, uh, do this show in Denver. He's from Eaton, Colorado, up near Greeley. Oh, that's right. So he's a uh, Colorado kid, and yeah, he had a, a fantastic season. So uh, hats off again. Second time I've used that term. Hats off. <laughs> Three. Tip of the cap. Tip of the cap. Uh, <laughs> to, uh, What's to, another way to the, uh Flip of the bill? I don't wipe know. Wipe of the brow. <laughs> So we had two two teams uh, advance in the NCAAs there. Uh, before we tie a, a complete bow on the uh, season, 21-22, the Outdoor Track and Field Championships happening this week, and we have quite a few competitors from the WAC that will be in that. And that uh, a lot of the coverage uh, begins on ESPNU on Wednesday. It's uh, track and field, so it's a little hard to kind of pin down exactly when things are happening or when things will be covered uh, on ESPNU. But uh, we have a a host of uh, folks, so you can check out the NCAA uh, website for more information on that. Yeah, good luck to all of our athletes competing in that. We, from the Denver office, wish them the best of luck. We'll be following along this weekend and this week. So we'll see uh, and hope to see some uh, personal bests. The NCAA Track and Field Championships begin on June 8th. That will be in Eugene, Oregon. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. That's so that's where a the, uh, hotbed. 2021, really, 2022. The Olympic Games were hosted. The Olympic the trials. Games? The trials. The Olympic Games were in Tokyo, I believe. <laughs> I don't know. I think they might have been in Eugene, Oregon. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. The The U.S. Olympic trials yes. were there. and. Uh, It'll be uh, exciting to see a number of WAC competitors with the addition of Stephen F. Austin and several other schools into the conference. It's really up to the level of competition in uh, track and field, especially. Oh, yeah. I mean, we saw what was the, the one that the record was broken, and every single runner in that heat had actually broken the record. That was stood for like 25 years. Yeah, that was in the 10K. The 10K, that's And right. then also in the 5K on the final day. Something about? We had uh, seven of eight, I think beat the previous record so yeah it was uh, a lot of fun so we'll we'll be looking forward to that we're going to also look forward to talking to adam young the director of broadcasting for new mexico state sports properties you're listening to the WAC podcast hercules tires is the official tire of the western athletic conference and for more than 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner and Kendra Sheehan with you, now joined by Adam Young, the Director of Broadcasting for New Mexico State's Sports Properties. Adam, it's been quite a uh, spring. We last had you on March 17th. I looked it up. It was before... 
the Aggies run in the NCAA tournament. But we're going to work chronologically, I guess, backwards. So the most recent thing first, NM State's unlikely run to the NCAA postseason baseball tournament and what you saw up at Oregon State. And specifically, let's, I guess, start with the Friday night game. Uh, unbelievable game. If people got to tune in, it was late, but uh, saw some unbelievable performances there. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, what an atmosphere Friday night in Corvallis. I've done a lot of college baseball the last seven years or so, and that was the coolest atmosphere that I've been a part of as a broadcaster. So it was a whole lot of fun to be a part of. And the Aggies had some chances. Uh, I think people forget that. Yeah, they lost in extras, but they left runners in scoring position the last couple of innings in, in the eighth and the ninth uh, to finish off regulation. Then they forced extras in the ninth with the Preston Godfrey RBI single. Uh, and then a crazy finish with some close calls with Alex Bustamante throwing some controversial calls down the stretch. And uh, they gave the number three national seat all they could handle. And they were facing one of the best, if not the best pitchers around the country. A lot of folks thought that Oregon State would throw off and they would not throw their ace against the Aggies and save their ace for game two. And they went with Cooper Jerpy, a left-hander who had remarkable numbers going in. Uh, the Aggies only had a couple hits against him, but they made them really count. And uh, Tommy Tabak was special uh, all weekend in Corvallis. So a lot of fun to be a part of. We were at practice on Thursday, and I just kind of looked around and thought back and said, how did we get here? Because <laughs> two weeks before, we were scrambling, trying to figure out, do we need to book travel for Mesa? And here we are in Corvallis at Oregon State, getting ready to play the Beavers 24 hours later. So it was a magical run. And we had said all year, Eric and Kendra, that uh, this team had a lot of talent. They just never meshed. Uh, they never did click. They never had a consistent run of good play. Um, they were always battling. And uh, they, they found the magic in the end, and they played their best baseball when it really counted down the stretch. And they made the conference tournament look easy, which it wasn't easy. And then Next thing you know, they're an extras against Oregon State on a Friday night in a regional. So kudos to the coaches and the players for battling until the end and finding a way there in the postseason. I mean, what a time to be playing your best baseball, certainly when it counts, taking 27 and five outscoring opponents in the WAC tournament. Now, back to that game at Oregon State, because there was a really cool moment that was floating around social media. Ian Mejia, who pitched outstanding during that game, he earned a standing ovation from Oregon State fans. Now, for you, who's been to plenty of baseball games, I mean, how often does that happen where you're getting a standing ovation from the opposing fans? I don't think I've seen that before. Uh, I know I have not seen that in a regional before, that's for sure. And it was well-deserving. He was outstanding. Uh, I said early on in the game, I said, for the Aggies to have a chance here tonight, Mejia is going to have to match Cooper Jerpy pitch for pitch. And he did. Uh, he gave his team a chance to win. He worked into the eighth. You guys saw it in Mesa. He threw twice. Um, I had no idea what he had left in the tank going into the regional. We've seen this before where somebody has to throw a couple times and may set ho-ho cam, and then they're burnt out going into a regional. We've seen that before, and, and it was not the case with Mejia. He was still, I think, 94-95 in the seventh and the eighth in the regional, so the velo was still good. And I said going into it to people who asked me, do they have a shot against Oregon State? I said, I think they have a shot because they have Mejia. If you have a pro arm on a Friday night, you go into a regional, you have somebody who's going to give you a chance to win, and the Aggies had that with Ian Mejia. I think he really improved his draft stock, draft stock the last couple of weeks. 
uh, going back to Mesa, the way he threw both outings there and then how he threw in the regional, I think the scouts will really take that into account. And I think Tommy Tabak uh, might have worked his way into the draft as well. At the very least, an undrafted free agent spot. Um, I, I think Tommy, the last couple of weeks, showed that he can play at the next level, at a really high level. Uh, so the extension of the season helped out a lot of guys. Alex Bustamante might get a crack because of how well he threw the last couple of weeks. Um, the longer you play, the more looks you get. The bigger stage you're on, the more looks you get. Uh, so it's really cool, not just for the team, but some individuals who I think really help their pro chances by playing so well down the stretch. Adam, we saw their season come to an end against uh, Vanderbilt. So, I mean, you talk about a region of death, I guess, when you have to play <laughs> Oregon State and Vanderbilt. But uh, just uh, Kendra talked about it uh, last week and the unlikely run. She got to be in the dugout with the team with uh, Coach Kirby. <laughs> and uh, we, we were kind of unsure, you know, we're, we're kind of going back and forth. She says, can I go in the dugout? And I'm all, nobody's ever asked to go in the dugout. I guess if they're okay with it. And Coach Kirby was more, she's, he's making her sandwiches in, in, in the dugout. <laughs> Just the, the, the camaraderie they had on the team. And I guess the uh, why not us? We saw that chant uh, Frank several Dixon's times. Frank Dixon's dad. That's right. Yeah, he was there. And, and to see a team, what, 10 and 20 in the league? Yeah. I mean, if CBU is, is eligible, if Dixie State's eligible, New Mexico State's not even in. I, I, I'm having a hard time comparing this to anything else I've seen uh, in the WAC and, and maybe even around the country. They were so loose. And um, you know that, that's the thing about a regional, too, is early on teams get tight, right? I mean, the experience and the atmosphere can be a little too much for them they were still loose. They were still confident. They didn't care. They were playing Oregon state. And uh, that says a lot about, you know, the style of play and uh, the players and uh, the experience that uh, they went through during the postseason run is they were loose the entire way. They were confident the entire way. They did not play like a 24 and 34 team, which is what their record was when they finished. They acted like they were 34 and 24 and they deserved to be there. Um, so I, I never saw them get tight. I think the Vanderbilt score is a result of them just completely running out of gas. And we were afraid of that after the game on Friday night. They exhausted so much energy and emotion against Oregon State. The big question mark was, what will they have left in the tank tomorrow? And you also knew as well that Vanderbilt was going to be angry. They had lost six of their previous seven. They had not been playing well. They struggled in the SEC tournament. Um, and it's a national powerhouse, right? I mean, they won a national title in 19. They were in the national runner-up a year ago. Those are the previous two tournaments. They've been in the title game each of the previous two. They're a two-seed in your regional. You're in a loser's bracket elimination game against Vanderbilt. So that was a tough draw, um, but they gave it everything they had. Um, they left with their heads held high. And I think looking back at the season, nobody's going to talk about the 24 and 34, right? I mean, what they're going to talk about is what they did the last couple of weeks. That's going to be the story of their season for years to come is the run they made in Mesa and the run they made in the regional on that Friday night, the last hour of that game, Friday night, guys, that was the only game going on around the country. Uh, New Mexico state was trending on Twitter. I mean, it was, it was a big time commercial for the university. So uh, they gave the fans and everybody part of the program, you know, quite the run to finish off the year. Now, New Mexico state's, whole mantra was having fun, having a relaxed time, staying loose. You know, they have a bunch of awesome personalities that were in the dugout. And so one that stuck out to me and I saw it as New Mexico state was trending on Twitter was Tommy Tabak. So one 
during that last game, I think he was throwing, uh, playing catch with some people in the stands, but also, you know, he was incredible during that, uh, regional as well. And when he would get on base, I mean, he, he would shake his head and we stick out his tongue. I mean, like, I don't know what was happening there, but it really fired up the guys. So, I mean, that's all you can do. And of course that was, you know, the last time he'll be wearing the Aggie uniform. So what a, what an experience for, for him and, and for you to see all that. ESPN fell in love with Tommy Tabak. John Triffin and Kevin Stocker, the two announcers, got done with practice on Thursday. And, and they said after practice and also on Friday before the game, they said, we love Tommy Tabak. I mean, that guy is full of energy, wants to be here, happy to be here, but confident as well. And they said, I hope Tommy does something big tonight. And he did. Uh, he, you know, he had all three RBIs to start the game. And then Preston Godfrey had the fourth. And Tommy was the only person who could figure out Cooper Jerpy. Um, so I think the nation got to see what we've seen the last couple of years. Uh, what a great kid. I mean, just a phenomenal young man. Um, that that's who he is off the field as well. He's very likable, um, but a very good player. He's high energy. Um, and Tommy's himself. He doesn't change who he is for anybody else and who he is really shined. I think the last couple of weeks and people got to see that in Mesa and, that reaction when he had the two run double, I'm not sure if he knows what he did, but he just let it all out. Right. I mean, he let it all out. Um, and then they're losing by a bunch to Vanderbilt and Tommy's in the crowd playing catch with a little kid. So that's, that's Tommy Tabak in a nutshell, great family. Um, you know, he's from Calabasas, California, but, uh, his family's from Israel and, um, you know, he's just, he's just a really good kid. And, uh, I really hope that, what he did the last couple of weeks will propel him to get a shot at the next level because he, he's one of those guys. If somebody just gives him an opportunity, I think he'll really run with it. Now, a couple of weeks before the baseball tournament, uh, you got to call the wax softball tournament down Huntsville, Texas. And uh, uh, kudos to, to all, all this work you've done this year, Adam, you called our baseball, <laughs> softball, basketball, and volleyball tournaments this year, softball down in Huntsville, New Mexico state actually made, a run perhaps further than their their seed was and then you got to see grand canyon uh, win the tournament for the first time under first year head coach shannon hayes and uh, they, they really uh look to uh, be a team to watch in the next few years in the whack yeah that was a lot of fun i think the pitching uh going back to huntsville eric really uh really shined uh wilbur for stephen f austin was so good thompson for grand canyon was awfully good uh, the pitching was at a really high level. Carly Nance for Seattle U, um, Luderer for Seattle U. Um, so I, I think the league now, um, pitching-wise, is really catching up to the offense. We've always talked about the offense that Seattle has had and New Mexico State has had over the years and some other good offensive programs as well. But the pitching was really impressive. And uh, the league's as deep as it's ever been in, in softball. Uh, numbers in the past have been an issue, just the amount of teams. And then this year we had a lot of games. Kendra and I know well from uh, <laughs> how many games we, we, uh, we had in Huntsville. And uh, it was a fun tournament. There was a lot of parity. Um, of course, Grand Canyon in the end comes up with the title, but uh, New Mexico State made a run. Seattle had a good year. Uh, Stephen F. Austin was really good. So uh, there's a lot more parity now in the whack and softball than there has been in past years. It's not a one team dominates league or a two team dominates league. Now uh, there's three or four programs that feel like they have a legitimate shot of winning the title when they head into the postseason now. 
Now, Adam, we saw this both in softball and baseball where they were broken up into divisions. So in the conference tournament, some of those schools had never played each other because they only play teams in their division. And so it was kind of interesting for some coaches to be like, wow, this is, you know, the biggest game of the season and we've never even faced them. How did you notice how coaches kind of dealt with that? And how did it make for some really interesting matchups come tournament time? Yeah, that's a good question, Kendra. That actually turned out to be the championship game as well, where it was New Mexico State and Abilene Christian, two programs that did not know each other very well. And that was the main topic, I think, of conversation when we were doing conference calls in both tournaments with the head coaches. How will you handle this? And the general consensus from the coaches was it's going to be like a non-conference midweek game or like a non-conference series. And we're just going to have to do our best to dig up and find some analytics, some video, some scouting reports from other coaches around the country on these teams and do our best to figure out who they are going into the tournament. So, of course, you had the chance to watch those teams in the tournament if you didn't match up with them the first couple of days. Uh, but New Mexico State, for example, played Sam Houston to kick off the tournament, and that was the first ever meeting between the Aggies and the Bearcats. So, I'm sure what the coaches were doing was reaching out to other coaches around the country, trying to see who played each other head to head and then try to get scouts that way. And we still saw shifts. We still saw the outfield adjust um, based on hitters in their tendencies. So I think the coaches still had a pretty good idea of what each player was doing offensively. Same with the pitchers, uh, but they had not seen those teams live and they were basing off video and scouts. Adam, last time we talked to you, March 17th was right before the NCAA tournament, right after New Mexico State men's basketball won in WAG Vegas. Obviously, a lot's happened since then. Uh, the Aggies win a tournament game. Uh, first time a WAC team's won a tournament game in, in about 10 years. And then, of course, Chris Jans takes the Mississippi State job right after the tournament. Lots of changes happening there in the men's basketball program, but it seems like that they're in pretty good hands with, with Greg Heyer and seem to have kind of the same swagger that we've seen from New Mexico State men's basketball as we've seen the last, I don't know how many years, but what, what's your take on how the men's basketball program's looking both from the NCAAs and, and beyond here? I'm fired up. Uh, Greg <laughs> Heyer has been uh, phenomenal. I mean, the talent that he's brought in, the staff that he's built, it's been awfully impressive. He's full of energy, um, really has a good blueprint of, of how to win here. Uh, he's been really good with the fan base. He's been really good out in the community. He's done it all. He's been working tirelessly 24 seven since he's been here. We were just talking in the office earlier and I'm back in the office now for the first time in what seems like a while we were talking about the potential starting five and it's hard to figure out because he's brought in so much new talent and there's only a couple of holdovers from the previous team, which of course made the run and won the NCAA tournament game. So it's going to be a new roster, but it's going to be a really talented roster. And now uh, the question mark is how do these guys mesh? There's only one basketball. There's a lot of guys who want to score. How does that all come together? Um, so we'll see in the off season, they're going to take a foreign trip, which I think comes at a perfect time. Um, foreign trips are always big when you have a new roster or a lot of new pieces. So this is a good time for a foreign trip. They'll get to try to gel as a team and learn more about each other, uh, coaches and players. And then we'll see what happens in November, but on paper, this might be the most talented roster they've had. Wow. It, it, it might be. And we, we do not know what the schedule looks like yet, but 
just from conversations with coach, uh, he wants to schedule as tough as possible. He doesn't want any cupcakes on the schedule. He wants to play power five programs. Scheduling is always tough here because not a lot of schools want to play you, but he's trying to make the schedule as challenging as possible to prep them for March and then hope, hopefully a deep postseason run once again. We're really excited. Uh, th this was a great hire by Mario Mocha. Um, he, he was ready to be a head coach at this level. Great hire, that is. And um, he is off and running, filling up this roster with a whole lot of talent. Now, first, Adam, do you get to go on that trip with them, the overseas trip? Before Why not? Unfortunately, I do not. Uh, they, they send me to places like Corvallis, not the overseas trip. So <laughs> we got to talk to we got to talk to them about that. If but you also... can put in a good word with Mario, I would be all for it. Um, I know Kendra's really close with the Aggie fan base now, so you never know. Wobble on, well, Aggies. Wobble exactly. on. So uh, I do not get to go, um, but who knows? Maybe maybe I'll sneak on the trip. You never know. Okay, Adam, my final question for you, because I mean, what a year it has been for you. You have been so close to the teams calling all their games from the New Mexico State basketball NCAA run to the baseball, the Cinderella story, if you will, of the tournament. Since you're so close to the team, what is, you know, a favorite memory? Is there something that stands out to you that maybe not everyone else got to see or wasn't highlighted, but someone like you would notice and want to share? Yeah, that's really tough. Uh, thinking back towards basketball. I think the night that Teddy Allen scored 41 was really cool um, here at home. And even going back to before that, uh, the first home game in, in November, because they did not get to play a home game last year. So that was really emotional for a lot of people to get back to the Pan Am Center for the first time. And I can't even, even remember how many days, um, you know, it had been a couple of years. So that was cool as well. Um, turning to baseball, of course, the Ian Mejia uh, moment the other night in Corvallis was a top five moment this year. I mean, that's, that's a goosebumps kind of a feeling if you're calling the game and you're watching this happening at Goss stadium there at Oregon state. And then of course, um, you know, the final out in the WAC championship game for baseball, uh, the improbable. Um, and, and it got to like the eighth inning guys, a little behind the scenes and I'm doing the game on the radio and it just kind of hit me. And I'm like, I want to do this justice I need to write down a couple of things that I would like to say. I hate <laughs> scripting anything, but I wrote down a couple of bullet points. Um, what I wanted to say and, and what I eventually said was from the last team in to the last team standing. And that's kind of how I wanted it to be built around. Um, but I wanted to do that call justice and it did not hit me until like the eighth inning. I think it was seven to one at that point. And I'm like, uh, they're going to win this and I need to be ready for this, you know? Uh, so that was obviously uh, a cool moment as well. I mean, you know, you don't get really a whole lot of time to reflect in this business when you call games year round in college athletics. So I think we're getting to that point now here in June, where finally we're done. And I'll think back a little bit about some of the moments and some of the stuff that we got to go through. Uh, it was a rocky year at times, right? I mean, with basketball, we had um, the mask mandate enforced to where um, you know, we got down to a couple thousand fans for home games a couple times. Um, and then we got back up to where we were sold out at the end of the year. And it was just a, a wild and wacky year, but, um, you know, so many good moments. And, uh, I was happy to be along for the ride for many of those. So Adam, what do you do the, the summer now? Like, give us behind the curtain, uh, <laughs> if you will, of, oh. uh, Adam Young's summer, I guess it'll be, uh, not very long as football season will be starting up before we know it. <laughs> I'll give you a good one, Eric. How about this? So my wife and I got married July of last year. Right. 
we're taking our honeymoon this coming weekend. So we're doing it. We're doing it a year later. We're going to Vegas. We are not staying at the Orleans arena. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're, we're going to stay uh, somewhere else in Vegas and get to experience Peyton's Vegas. Say, Cause he doesn't time. want to get the phony phone calls. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I can't tell folks where I'm staying, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to Vegas for a honeymoon one year later. Uh, she is an absolute all-star because last year we were moving and, you know, stuff was going on here. And it, it's really hard when you work in college athletics to take a week off. So we booked it during super regionals weekend, which going back to last Friday kind of seemed a little dicey at that to, point, to, right? To... <laughs> uh, so fortunately we get to take it and uh, we're looking forward to having some time off and, uh, you know, celebrating our, our wedding one year later. Wow. Yeah, no, congratulations. Definitely well-deserved. And you had mentioned that, um, the way that you had wanted to end that final game in the WAC tournament last team out. I saw it cause I was with the broadcast, so I didn't get to hear your call, but I saw you posted it on, on Twitter afterwards. And I was like, you know what? That is fantastic yes. work. <laughs> and of course yeah. you always do a great job, but I just, that stuck out to me. I'm like, you know what? That was, that was really, Pretty I cool. felt that. <laughs> well, Adam, as always, thank you for joining us here on the WAC podcast. I think you uh, are back in the lead as our all time uh, <laughs> Uh, appearances what was this probably about 10 something like that so uh, as always have fun on your uh, uh honeymoon yes a year yeah. later in vegas never too late to celebrate never too late always a pleasure guys <laughs> thanks so much for having me and uh we appreciate all you guys do thank you that's adam young director of broadcasting for new mexico state sports properties thanks everybody for listening to the WAC podcast thanks for listening to the WAC podcast make sure to follow us on facebook Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at waxsports.com.